Good morning. It's Sunday, January the 19th, 2020. This is show number 114. Good morning. How are you? Welcome. Welcome to show number 114. I am your host, Gummo. Uh, This little podcast we do about, you know, just things here, things there, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Welcome to the show. And uh, if you're new here, welcome as well. Thanks for uh, dropping in, tuning in, you know, subscribing, all of that stuff. Uh, And, uh, you know, yeah, here we go. So, uh, li- you know, listen, I left off last week uh, with a lot of stuff, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But first of all, you know, uh, it's uh, it's kind of weird, man. You know, uh, I woke up this morning, and uh, I just... Uh, kind of all over the place mentally here, you know, trying to figure this out, figure that out. You know, uh, the, the leg continues to improve, so, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm off the uh, balance beam here and uh, trying to get climb on, a, on onto a ladder, uh, you know, hanging light fixtures and things of that nature. What about you? Uh, how's it going or where you are? I bet most likely that uh, you are mo- mostly impacted by the weather here in the United States, if you, that's where you're tuning in. Uh, and <laughs> I know that uh, a lot of, hang on for a second. I know uh, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, my friends in uh, up in up north are experiencing some uh, pretty brutal weather conditions right now, uh, and uh, you know, negative wind chills, snows, blizzards, all of that stuff. And uh, truly feel for you guys and uh, stay warm, bundled up. Uh, not so the case here where we are. Uh, and not, you know, to, to be withstanding, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not without its stresses. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, I was, um, Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I was, uh, Friday, I, I was just feeling like the need to write something about social engineering. And so that's what I did. I jotted down some lines and. Shared it with a website out there. I don't, I don't, uh, cool little website. A lot of uh, people into security and all of that stuff there. Um, what else is going on? Hey, you know, uh, Crash and I, we went down to the downtown uh, Jacksonville thing yesterday. And um, we were kind of scouting around, looking at things. <laughs> 
pointing at things, <laughs> taking pictures, etc. And uh, enjoyed the sunset on top of all that. Watching them bulldoze the rest of the Jacksonville landing away. You know, uh, the Jacksonville landing, it was kind of like, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's your typical river uh, front market mall sort of outdoor venue kind of thing. You know, most cities by a river have these sort of things. And of course, Jacksonville uh, built one in the what was it? The mid eighties, 86, I believe is when it opened. And at first it was, you know, it was the talk of every, you know, it was the Jacksonville landing, this, the Jacksonville landing that. And, um, and it, you know, um, it pretty, it, it did pretty good, I guess. Uh, and, but, uh, a few years later after it opened up the recession of the, you know, the early nineties, I, I believe, uh, sort of took a put a dent in uh, the commerce uh, going to and from there. It was just hard, right? Uh, you know, people in the South they they're not going to drive out of their way to go to something that's really not that too meaningful. And uh, the, unfortunately, it was one of those sort of situations. It was way it was way ahead of its time. Um, going to miss it. It was a spe- definitely a special place. So a lot of memories there. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were, uh, checking that out, uh, checking other things out and, uh, driving around meeting and congr- uh, congregating with, uh, old friends and, um, new, new friends as well. Uh, what else, uh, what's going on out here? Um, pretty much got everything, uh, in line and, you know, and, uh, still t- took it uh, physically easy uh, on the leg. This man pulling a, a you know, a tore a muscle. I tell you, man, when you tear a muscle, Jesus, kills you. Uh, hello, what is this? You know, we um, we got the email thing fixed. There was a lot. <laughs> I was dealing with. Uh, you know, I think I did, talked about it on the last show. You know, it's it's just a disaster when a company promises you one thing and then you have to find out the hard way. And that's usually the case, right? It shouldn't be a surprise if, you know, you're in technology and all of that crap. You know, it's you should always live by the realization that nothing is ever always completely solved. And truly a misconception for a lot of people uh and um yeah (laughs) i've got like two i've got two um pairs of headphones on so i've got like a feed in one ear a feed out of the other ear and it's uh it's like like is it three it's what 320 in the morning oh man Anyhow, uh, we, you know, we, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that, uh, we've, we've discovered and, uh, I think, uh, we've got, we've got some things to talk about, uh, for sure. Uh, as, uh, time goes on, I wanted to send a shout out to all my friends, former colleagues in Chicago. 
How's that cold weather working out for you guys? <laughs> Too many names to list, but trust me, I think about you guys all the time. Uh, especially when it's cold, uh, you know, and it makes the national news and all that. Uh, for everyone else, thank you again for tuning into the show. Uh, you know, a lot of crazy things have been going on, uh, as they always are. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Oh, no, no. Uh, we're doing Pictionary over here. Uh, so, you know, cr crime does, you know, crime never takes a break. Uh, and, you know, uh, recently it's been discovered that a hacker has published uh, a, a massive list of uh, <clears throat> Telnet credentials for more than 515,000 servers, home routers, IoT, smart devices, etc. Uh, the list, which was published on a popular hacking forum, uh, includes each device's IP address along with a username and password for the Telnet service. <sighs> you know, these type of uh, lists called bot lists are uh, pretty much a common component of uh, botnet operation. Um, and they usually, uh, they're usually kept private. Although, um, you know, some have been leaked in the past. <laughs> Um, you know, etc. But, uh, uh, you know, this is pretty much one of the largest uh, yet to date. Um, uh, you know, it, it seems to be that the uh, list was published by um, someone uh, in one of the DDoS for hire um, ID, you know, DDoS booter services. Uh the leaker, of course, uh, recently informed the media that uh, he or she upgraded his DOS service from working on top of botnets to a new model that relies on renting high output servers from cloud service providers. Uh, so it's becoming interesting, right, as as uh, the criminal element or perspective um, migrates, uh, follows the enterprise. Um, I think it's best to be wise on um, exactly what sort of cloud infrastructure that uh, you know that you're behind, that you're protecting, that uh, that sits behind your company, that sits uh, behind your home, right? That sits behind your television, et cetera. And so, uh, those are things to to um, obviously uh, keep aware in the back of your mind. As you know, uh, one of the fun one of the fundamental challenges is you know not not necessarily. Um, breaking into things or taking things apart it's 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 actually building something that works right to begin with and so uh that back and forth cat and gal uh, cat and mouse game uh will always continue until you know such events uh man did i mention the weather i think i mentioned the weather <laughs> i think it did you know, I tell you, uh, you know, uh, all right, <laughs> Chris, Chris is like, man, don't, you're shaking his head. Uh, what, do you, what do you want me to mention? The Xenobot. So a Xenobot uh, is basically, um, and this comes on the, uh, Crash wanted me to mention this, as it's been, uh, Xenobots have been making the news uh, cycles lately. Give me a second. Let me see what this thing is.
All right. Uh, so basically, the Z Xenobot, right, is a it's it's a biological machine, a self healing biological machine, and it's way over my head. Uh, and uh, from my understanding, uh, is that these things uh, can be. <laughs> Think about the medical implications of these xenobots. How they are, how they will be able to actually attack bad, dangerous diseases. Um, I think there, uh, you know, I, I think it's a pretty cool thing. I suppose. Um, I really actually don't know anything about a xenobot. Let's see. Oh no, um, things are kind of. Check it out. Anyhow, it's xenobots. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird, man. You know, it's kind of uh, <laughs> it's totally weird. Let's see what we've got. Um, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here nodding off, man. It's three in the morning, and I'm just I, I'm just tired. You know, I'm just like really rested. Uh, we took a uh, on top of. Uh, on top of all of those adventures, you know, there's there's a lot of reports saying, starting to trickle down, that a lot of voting machines are having issues, uh, security problems, uh, lack security oversight, etc. And so that's no surprise, it's, as that was demonstrated over 10 years ago, that uh, most voting machines, electronic voting systems, have some sort of uh, vulnerability attached. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, in, in some of my day-to-day -day findings when I'm searching for a vulnerability or a misconfigured website or server, et cetera, you know, I'll, I'll look at one, one thing in particular that I will look for, and it, that, those are your DNS records, right? And uh, it's the first thing I look at. And um, still, after, um, you, you know, I, I believe that if you want to demonstrate that you are serious about a website and where you're at and all of that, uh, that your DNS records should be up to date and uh, functioning properly. Uh, and uh, explore the use of um, a technology called DNSSEC. It's not really anything that's going to break anything within your organization. All you are doing is you are signing a uh, certificate and uh, you're adding that certificate to you, uh, your DNS TXT records. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it will uh, verify. It's just, you know, it's just another, there's a lot more technical intricacies involved, but uh, it just kind of uh, ensures your identity on to who you um, are extending your trust and uh, resources to. So think about that. I don't want to get too technical. Uh, you know the cloud service, cloud services. You know it's it's cloud, it's cloud services, and I, you know, I really hate saying cloud, um, but you know, it's it, the cloud is a server, the server is the cloud. It's the same thing. It's just been renamed, rehashed, all of that, and so I'll I'll stick with it, right? I'll say cloud, um, and so you know, as. Uh, 
as everyone's thinking begins to move to managed services within uh, servers or the cloud, uh, and then access those services via a web browser, those those present a, a whole lot of issues and challenges unto themselves. And so it's not like your application used to sit inside, you know, the uh, next to the um, coffee machine or office kitchen or whatever. Uh, it means now that all of your applications and functions live uh, in a server, not in your facility and only accessible through a web browser. And so it's uh, critically, it's critically important uh, that if, again, that if you are um, organizing the guardianship of those sort of systems, uh, you should uh, really understand what you are, uh, what goals that you are setting out to do uh, and to ensure that um, all of your environments are probably set right and so uh and secured it's not hard to do uh microsoft just recently microsoft of all people just recently gave up on trying to compete with all of the other browser providers out there and so they just recently released um a version of um their their browser and it's based off of uh chromium open source chromium uh, and that's good. So you, in, within the developer console of uh, the Chromium browser or um, its com competitors, there are developer uh, options. Uh, and uh, they offer a ton of wealth and information on uh, just what exactly your server is doing. And so it's imperative that you, you kind of get to know these things. Uh, one of those tools that you can use is called DNS Recon. Yeah, if you're familiar with Linux, I'm not sure if it's available for Windows, but uh, DNS Recon is a tried and true favorite. Uh, you know, and uh, what else? What else? Um, you know, uh, I've spoke about uh, web application firewalls and, and uh, the necessity that you should have <laughs> involved with understanding that technology and in deploying it along with a certificate properly signed certificate with the right uh, algorithms uh, chosen uh, and ciphers. So listen, uh, with that said, uh, I wanted to uh, let everybody know that, uh, again, we are working on the events page. Uh, cr Crash is nodding to me. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> We've got, we've got such a slick spot here in downtown Jacksonville. It's so slick. Um, <laughs> it's so large here. Uh, there's like, it, it, uh, yeah, anyhow, that's another thing. So uh, hang on for a minute. So we have so much space here, uh, right on the river as well. Uh, so, um, we were thinking about, I don't know, we haven't heard from anybody in the philosopher's club in ages. Not sure if anybody even listens from the philosopher's club. Uh, but if, if, if anybody is, that has any weight, uh, spread the word around that, uh, we have the venue here. It's on the river. Uh, and uh, speaking of venue, um, not, not only are we considering a private uh, thing, but there's been some talk about uh, some, some other things that we can do here. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll keep thinking about that. We'll, Crash and I will discuss uh, some more of those issues. Um, 
But uh, nevertheless, I just wanted to swing in, and um, we are up for the day anyhow. <laughs> we're going to do... We're going to go down to St. Augustine and charter a boat for the day. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and so we're going to split out of here and go and, um, yeah, we're going to load up a cooler full of ice and we are going to jump on a boat and we are going to go about, I think we are going about 15 miles, 13 miles out, uh, due east of St. Augustine. So, uh, far enough where we will not be able to see land. Uh, and, um, we are going to go out there and, uh, drink lemonade. And so I've made a, a, a promise and a commitment to myself and to my loved ones to, uh, stop drinking lemonade <laughs> because I've been gaining weight drinking lemonade. I'm like, oh, my shirt's fit kind of tight. And so it's whatever. Anyhow, uh, before I, before I leave out of here, um, I wanted to uh, leave you guys with uh, a talk that I found interesting from the recent CDC as well, uh, and I'll find. I, I think that you will uh, find that. Uh, I, I think you'll find this um, just as interesting as I did uh, when the CCC um, uh, was in was in Congress uh, recently. Um, it's it's really. Um, it's really something, you know, it's, it's really one of those things where, you know, you listen to it, uh, like last week's, uh, talk, I was, um, really interested in, in the, um, the, the breakdown of the talk. And, uh, hopefully if you, if you've listened to it, uh, uh, you, you know where I'm coming from. So, uh, before we get out of here, uh, we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and, um, leave you guys with a cool talk from the, uh, 36 chaos congress uh it's uh called sim card technology from a to z yeah it's kind of cool sim cards right you know those little fancy things that go in your phone <laughs> no seriously uh there are a lot of avenues for um a lot of issues with that and so i wanted to share this talk with you guys i was listening to it uh actually earlier well yesterday was yesterday today or is today yesterday who knows but anyhow i was listening to it uh, about 24 hours ago and i wanted to share this talk with you guys and so here it is uh from the 36 chaos congress uh sim card technology from a to z card technology from A to Z, and it's an in-depth introduction of SIM card technology that not a lot of people know much about. And our speaker, Harold LaForge, as he's better known, is the founder of the open source mobile communications project. Uh, he's also a Linux kernel hacker. He has a very long and impressive bio and the Wikipedia page. Just means I'm old. <laughs> so, Harold Velte, please give him a round of applause. SIM card technology from A to Z. All yours. Thanks a lot for the introduction. 
Um, yeah, as you can see on the title slide, I actually had to change the title slightly because I couldn't find a single acronym related to SIM cards that starts with a Z. So now it's from A to X, not from A to Z anymore, the SIM card introduction. So the SIM card technology from APDU to XRES, which are two acronyms in the context of SIM cards, uh, which we might get into or not. So um, what are we going to talk about uh, in the next 45 or so minutes? Um, what are the relevant specifications and specification bodies? What kind of uh, interfaces and protocols relate to SIM cards? Um, we're going to talk about the file system that exists in such SIM cards, um, as well as the evolution of SIM cards from 2G to 5G. So that's basically from, what, 91 to uh, 19, uh, 2018. Um, uh, we will talk about SIM toolkit over the air, a little bit about, about eSIMs as well, the embedded SIMs. Uh, introduction about myself uh, was already given. Um, so, yeah, uh, people complained uh, sometimes that my slides are full of text and I need more diagrams, so I tried to improve. <laughs> <laughs> So this is actually, uh, at one night, I thought, okay, let's actually try to create a dotty graph of all the specs and how they cross-reference each other. And this is uh, what I've come up with. And this is only the SIM card relevant specs, not, you know, out of context other specs that they may refer to. Um, uh, so yes, it's an interesting graph. Um, the arrangement was done uh, automatically by Dotty, so uh, don't uh, complain to me about that. Yeah. Um, Nevertheless, I will switch back to text and uh, we will look at um, what kind of specifications there are and spec bodies. So, um, uh, most importantly, probably about any kind of chip card technology, um, we have the ISO, the International Standardization Organization, which um, has a series of specifications about what they call ICCs, which is Integrated Circuit Cards. Um, we also have the ITU, the International Telecommunications Union, which has a series of specs related to telecom charge cards. The title um, implies that this is things that came before SIM cards, so we're talking about uh, the cards you put into pay phones and things like that in the 80s. Um, uh, there's of course the 3GB, oh sorry, there's of course ETSI, the European Telecommunications Standardization Institute, uh, which is the entity where GSM was originally specified, um, GSM being the first um, digital um, telephony system that used uh, SIM cards, to the best of my knowledge at least, not a historian though. Um, there's 3GBP, the third generation partnership project, uh, which is where the GSM specs have been handed over to. Um, in the preparation of the 3G specification process because Etsy is a European entity and Chinese companies, for example, or Chinese government cannot participate there, or Americans even, uh, to the extent that European companies can do so. It was lifted to an international new uh, group uh, called the Third Generation Partnership Project. Um, and they, of course, inherited all the SIM card-related specifications. And then we have like non-telecom standardization entities such as um, the Global Platform Card Specification. Um, that's uh, Global Platform is a body that specifies um, lots of aspects around Java cards, specifically around applet management installation and so on on Java cards. 
which brings us to the next entity, which is not really a standardization body, but it's a private company that used to be called Sun, and now it's part of Oracle, which defined the Java card API runtime and the virtual machine of Java cards. And last but not least, we have the GSM Association, which is the vendor club of the operators. Um, that doesn't really have to do that much with SIM cards until the eSIM, um, where then uh, suddenly the GSMA plays a big role in the related uh, specs and, and technology. So talking about these standardization bodies, um, what is the SIM actually? Well, the SIM <coughs> is the subscriber identity module. I mean, probably anyone in here has one, likely more, or at least has had. Um, it's quite ubiquitous. Uh, every device with cellular connectivity during the last, whatever, 20 or so years um, has uh, a SIM, whether it's uh, an actual card or whether it's soldered in these days. And um, SIM card hacking has a tradition in the CCC since at least 1998. I'm not sure how many people remember. Um, uh, there was uh, the Vodafone Germany SIM card cloning attack uh, back then. Uh, was uh, In German it was titled from, uh, von D2 Privat zu D2 Pirat. Um, and uh, that was an attack uh, that used uh, weaknesses um, and um, sort of brute forcing against the uh, authentication mechanism to recover the secret key which is stored in the card. Um, and then you could clone SIM cards back then. That was then uh, fixed in subsequent uh, technology generations. Um, and uh, also around that time, uh, you can find on the FTP server of the CCC a SIM card simulator written in Turbo C using a uh, season card. I'm not sure how many people remember season cards. These were uh, cards people used uh, in the context of um, cracking satellite TV encryption. Um, yeah, so meanwhile, of course, the SIM technology stack has um, increased and the complexity has increased, like probably in any kind of technology. Um, so let's recap basically from the beginning to today what SIM cards are and what they do in uh, some degree of detail. Uh, if we start historically with SIM cards, um, actually the predecessor to the SIM cards that we know is uh, the chip card used in the CNETs, which is an analog telephony system uh, that used to be, uh, operate in Germany. Um, there's actually an open source implementation these days as part of Osmocom Analog. If you're interested in that, uh, do check out um, Jolly uh, at uh, the vintage uh, and retro computing area. Um, and before 1988, uh, they only had uh, magnetic stripe cards, but in 1988, they introduced um, uh, integrated circuit cards in this analog telephony system, and in GSM, it was a chip card from the beginning. Um, the concept of the SIM card means you store the identity of the subscriber outside of the phone, which is very opposite to what happened in the CDMA world in the US around that time, where uh, it was basically in, inside the phone itself. But having the identity separate, of course, enables all kinds of use cases um, uh, that um, were relevant at that time. We will get to that uh, to some extent. Um, in addition to the identity, and the identity in this context means a cryptographic identity, uh, there are all kinds of network-related parameters that are stored in the SIM card. Some of those are static, meaning that they are provisioned or written by the operator um, into the card, or 
of course, by the SIM card manufacturer on behalf of the operator, but which are not uh, writable by the user um, that affect access control classes, which means like, uh, are you a normal user or are you an emergency service user which needs higher priority to access the network, things like that. Uh, and there are lots of dynamic um, parameters on the card, and dynamic means they get rewritten and changed and modified and updated all the time. Um, uh, that's, for example, the TIMSI, the temporary identity that uh, gets allocated by the network every so often. Also, the current um, actual air interface encryption key, uh, like KC, um, and its successors in uh, modern generation technology, so they get updated and written all the time by the phone. And some of the files are even updated and written by users, um, at least traditional or historically, uh, like the phone book and the SMS uh, that are stored on the card. Um, it was originally specified as a full credit card sized cards, um, and uh, it was intended to be used in radios uh, in rental cars or company shared cards. So basically, when you leave the car, you would uh, remove your SIM card, um, the full-size credit card-sized card, and uh, somebody else would put their card in. And um, uh, allegedly, there even were, f I think, public GSM phones installed in German trains where you could plug in a SIM card or something like that, but I personally haven't witnessed that. Um, uh, seems I was ignorant at that time, apparently, of that fact. So. Um, let's get to the mother of all smart card specs, which is uh, in German DIN EN ISO IEC 7816, um, or short just ISO 7816. Um, and uh, maybe an anecdote uh, how these specs come around. So there's like the ISO uh, that specifies a certain spec, it gets an ISO number, um, and then EN, the European. Uh, norm whatever buddy comes around and says, oh, we will elevate this international spec into a European standard, and they put an EN in front. And then Dean, the German uh, uh, standard buddy, comes around and says, oh, we will elevate this European norm into a German norm, and we will put a Dean in front. So now in Germany, we have Dean EN ISO IEC. Uh, 7816. And uh, if you get the actual copy from Dean, it's quite funny. I, I uh, didn't, don't have it here, but actually you get a, a one-page additional paper on top which translates the key technical phrases from English to German, and that's the added value that you get from it uh, become... Sorry, I mean, it's just hilarious. The entire spec is in English, but then there's like this key translated terms, so you know that file means datai, for example. That's uh, extremely beneficial to the reader of such specifications. Um, anyway, so uh, the title is Integrated Circuit Cards with Contacts. <laughs> I wonder, well, okay, they are contactless now, but at least back then uh, certainly they didn't exist. Um, uh, and it has 15 parts by now. The most relevant parts are one through four, um, starting from the physical characteristics, going to the uh, mechanical dimensions and the location of the contacts, of course. It's a separate part of the spec. And each of those specs are sold as a separate document, of course. Um, so the physical size you pay, and if you want to know the location of the contacts, you have to pay uh, to get another spec. Um, um, then there's part three, which covers the electronic signals and the transmission protocols. We will look at that uh, in some detail. And then there's part four, which is the inter-industry commands for interchange, um, which I find very interesting. And I always thought they should have made the international inter-industry commands for interworking information interchange. But apparently, they didn't come up with that. And of course, this all predates the internet, so there's no internet in there. Um, 
Yeah, the next relevant spec is uh, GSM Technical Specification 11.11, .11, very easy to memorize uh, that number, um, which is the specification of the subscriber identity module dash mobile equipment interface. So uh, in GSM, there is what's called a mobile station, which is your phone, and it's comprised of two parts, the mobile equipment, which is the hardware, and the SIM, which is the SIM next to the mobile equipment. Um, and it, interestingly, it doesn't just refer to these ISO specs that I mentioned before, but it actually repeats, like more or less carbon copies, large portions of these ISO specs uh, with some amendments or corrections or extensions. Um, uh, and again, it gives you the location of the contacts and the mechanical size of the card and the electronic signals and the transmission protocols and so on. But beyond uh, these ISO standards, it also actually specifies what makes the SIM a SIM and not any other contact card, which is the information model, the file system on the card, and the commands and protocols that uh, um, you use on uh, this uh, card. Uh, and last, uh, with typo, uh, as usual on my slides, uh, but not least, um, of course, how to execute the GSM algorithm to, uh, to um, perform cryptographic authentication. The physical smart card interface um, is interesting. I mean, if you've worked with hardware or electronics or serial interfaces, I think it's rather exotic. Um, and exotics always means interesting. So um, we have uh, four relevant pins. We have uh, a supply voltage, um, not surprisingly. Um, it can be 5, 3, or 1.8 volts. Interesting, it's not 3.3 volt. It's 3.0 volts nominal. Um, not sure why, um, but anyway, that's how it is. We have a clock line that provides a clock signal, uh, which initially needs to be between 1 and 5 megahertz. So the phone provides power and clock. Um, we have a reset line, which also makes sense. You want to reset the card. Um, and then we have one I.O. line for bidirectional serial communication. So you have RX and TX sharing one line. Um, and there is some nice diagrams about how exactly uh, the sequencing happens when you power it up. Nothing really surprising. Um, there's an activation sequence. And after the card is activated, the card will unilaterally send what's called an ATR, the answer to reset. And that's just a series of bytes which give some information about the card capabilities, what protocols, what voltages, what clock rates beyond these initial uh, activation ones are supported. Now, after we've powered up the card, we have uh, the bit transmission level, um, and it's actually very much like a normal UART. If you ever looked at a, a RS-232 or a, another UART um, serial port, uh, rather simple start byte, stop byte, parity, um, serial bit transmission. Um, what's a bit interesting is that um, we have a clock and the baud rate is divided from that clock, but it's still an asynchronous transmission. So there is no phase relationship between the clock signal and the baud rate that the data uses, which lots of people get wrong, particularly lots of authors of Atmel uh, microcontroller data sheets, which claim that it's a synchronous communication, which it is not. Um, yeah, so the direction changes every so often uh, to have acknowledgments back and forth and to exchange data in uh, both directions. And interestingly, a lot of the timings are not specified very well, but I guess nobody cares about that, other than if you want to implement a card reader, which I happen to have gone through this year. Um, smart card communication. 
Um, after we are able to transmit bytes um, between the card and the reader, we have something called APDUs, the Application Protocol Data Unit, uh, specified as per that ISO 7816-4. That's the inter-industry commands for interchange. Um, and an APDU consists of a couple of bytes. Um, it is a class byte. Um, just specifies the class of command. There's an instruction byte which specifies the specific instruction, like read a file, write a file. We have some parameter bytes whose meaning is uh, relevant or is specific to the instruction. Uh, then we have a length of a command and command data. We have an expected response length, response data, and last but not least, a so-called status word. And the status word, um, basically, the card tells uh, whether the execution was successful or whether there was some error and what kind of error there was and uh, things like that. Um, the APDUs are then split into a lower layer transport protocol, uh, which are called TPDUs. Um, there are two different... Um, commonly used protocols and two specific ones that are used in the context of SIM cards or are specified in the context of SIM cards. There's one called T equals zero, um, which is most commonly used with SIM cards. Actually, I've never seen anything else but T equals zero used. But T equals one is another protocol which, according to the specs, every phone needs to implement um, and the card can choose if it does T equals zero or T equals one. As again, I've never seen a card that does T equals 1, or at least that does only T equals 1, but the specs would allow that. T equals 1 is more used in banking and crypto smart cards. Um, the difference mainly is T equals 1 is a block-oriented transfer, and T equals 0 is more a byte-oriented transfer. Um, T equals 1 has the advantage that it has CRC and checksumming, so you get uh, more protection against uh, transmission errors, which you don't have in T equals 0. Um, so, the APDU gets mapped to TPDUs, details I'll skip here, um, and this is just some examples so you get an idea how this looks like. So we have uh, A0, A4, 00002, 3F00. The A0 here is the class byte, and A0 is a SIM card class. A4 is a select file. Um, so you're selecting a certain file on which you want to operate. Two parameter bytes are zero. Zero 02 is the length of the command. Um, and then you have two bytes of that length, 3F00, which is basically your slash, your root directory. Um, you want to change to the root directory of the file system. It's basically what that command says. And one hypothetical response uh, is just a status word, 9000, um, which means success. Um, yeah, selecting a file. So we have a file system on the card. Um, most smart cards do that. It's not a file system in the context uh, like you have a USB drive that you can mount uh, where you just have a block abstraction or something, but the smart card file system itself runs inside the card and you just talk to the file system and give it instructions. So if you want to find an abstraction in PC technology, it's more like MTP or PTP over USB where um, you don't have a block device but you talk to another processor which manages a file system and you can instruct it's like uh, yeah, a remote file system access. Um, you have some similarities to normal file systems. I mean, there's a master file which corresponds to a root directory in, in PC file systems. You have so-called dedicated files, which are subdirectories, and you have so-called elementary files, which are actual data containing files as we know them. Um, beyond that, there are lots of specifics that we don't find in PC file systems um, uh, where operating system file systems, um, we have what's called a transparent EF, 
Um, that's an opaque stream of data, like uh, your normal binary file on, on any random operating system. But then we have concepts like a linear fixed EF, which contains fixed size records. And you can seek, basically, get me the 15th record in that file. And the file has a record size of whatever, 24 bytes, for example. And then you have something called a cyclic uh, EF, where they have a ring buffer of records. And um, you have incrementable files, which contain monotonically incrementing counters and things that were apparently important for charging or things like that. Um, each file has access control conditions um, that define who can read and or modify and or, well, there's no delete, but there's something called invalidate the file. Um, and who is basically expressed in context of which pin was used to authenticate that entity which performs the operation. So as a user, you have a pin 1, and some people will remember you also have a pin 2 uh, that probably nobody has used since the 90s. Um, and uh, the operator has something called an ADM pin, an administrative pin, which gives better or higher privileges in terms of uh, file system permissions um, on those files. Um, the kind of commands we see, well, select file from the example. Um, uh, we have read record, update record. I guess I don't need to say anything about that. Uh, similarly, read binary, update binary. Um, and then we have commands like uh, CHV commands, where CHV is the card holder verification, which is um, uh, Etsy language for a pin. Not sure why they don't call it pin. Uh, so there's change uh, pin, uh, disable pin, or enable pin commands. Um, which is actually what your phone performs if, let's say, you disable the pin or you change the pin, then exactly those commands are issued to the card. And last but not least, run GSM algorithm. Remember, this is still the 2G-only sim. We haven't uh, yet gone beyond 2G yet at this point in the slides. And there's actually not that many. You mentioned that um, the card can instruct the phone to open a website but I've never seen this, and I've seen use cases where I think it would be useful to do this. So is this not supported in most OSs, or why? It's a good question. Actually, if you read all those specs, um, like especially these proactive SIM specs and so on, I always have the impression, OK, uh, it's all very interesting, but I've never seen anything like that anywhere. Um, so I completely agree with you. Um, whether or not it's supported by the phones is a good question. I think without trying, there's no way to know. So you would actually have to write a small, like, extend the Hello World app and uh, to, to do that and see how and do testing with various phones. Um, uh, I would fear that since it's a feature that's specified but rarely used, uh, a lot of devices will not support it or not support it properly because it's never tested because nobody has ever asked about testing it. But that's just my guess. Um. Thank you. Uh, Mike one. Okay, hello. Um, um, my question is when you have an eSIM and you want to provisioning it, could it be done uh, with tier 069 or something similar? No. Um, there's a completely different set of protocols um, that uh, are used for that. And that's, that relates to this uh, uh, global platform 2.2 uh, NXP, I think it was. Yeah, I don't find it right now. But there's this spec, and that specifies all the different interfaces and protocols that are used between the elements. And it's, um, 
completely different. I think also the requirements are very different because you have these multiple stakeholders. So you have the original card issuer, the original operator, then you have other operators, and um, it's not like a single entity that just wants to provision its devices, but it's sort of a multi-stakeholder approach where um, you want to make sure that even in like a competition between operators still this is possible and that people put trust in the system that even if the original issuing operator uh, doesn't like uh, the other operator, it still will work and it will even work in 10 years from now or something in, when it's in the field. So I think the requirements are different. Thank you. And that was the last question of the yeah. last talk Thanks. of the day. Luckily not the last day. Not the last day, the first day. So there's three more days ahead of us. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah, you got a, a quick introduction into ISO 7816 uh, smart cards, you know, SIM card hardware, operating system applications, uh, the related specifics in blah, 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 and all of that. Uh, and you know, it's, it's the SIM card is, uh, the same thing as a 7816 and that's what I cut my teeth on years ago. So that's what I found interesting. And I wanted to share my interest with you, you know, you, <laughs> okay. So, uh, I've got, uh, I've got a sunrise captain. We're going to meet the <laughs> literally no shit. We're going to meet the captain at sunrise. And I was, so it's just kind of like, what, you know, so. Uh, forecast is for, uh, what is it? Cloudy, sunny, partly sunny or partly cloudy. I don't know what the hell it is. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to chance it. So if I'm not here next weekend, uh, we didn't make it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I've, I've got all, all, all the good faith, uh, for the captain that we meet at sunrise. Please think that it's going to be some... <laughs> I I work a wheel kind of guy, you know. It's like the big old, you know, the old big the big wheels and all of that. So I don't know. I'm just God knows. I don't know. I've got my Dramamine, and I've got my uh, bottle of Smart Water. Hey, and I you know I uh, I broke down and just uh, took I took the sweater off, so I'll just wear uh, a short sleeve uh, shirt. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll wear some shorts. I don't know. Shorts and flip-flops. Sounds like that sounds like a plan. So uh yeah, let me get out of here. I'm going to meet the captain at um at sunrise. It's kinda of weird saying that. Uh and uh do enjoy do enjoy uh yourself uh, for the rest of the week as well. Uh do check out the website if you get a chance to. And uh again, thanks for checking out the show. I mean, you know, I don't you know, I, I do you know, you guys, you got, you know, the feedback from you guys really make me smile. And, uh, all, you know, it just, uh, you, you know, when you love and care and share for people, that's, that's the thing that matters the most. Right. And so, uh, I try to spread the, I try to spread that joy as much as I can and you should too. Right. And so when you do that, you're, you are also using your skills, no matter what they are for something good. And so I encourage that and I encourage that uh, from you to love and the care of the share as well. And so until next week's show, folks, I am out of here. I'm going to meet the captain at noon. Uh, and uh, until next week, uh, be sure to check out the website at hackers.xxx. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter. Uh, I'm never there. Uh, you can try to email me, but good luck. 
Uh, you know the routine, right? Uh, until then, I'll see you for next week's show. Okay, bye. <laughs>